sharing the Temple Mount, building the third temple, Biden vows a build back better world, a European superstate, and precursors to the mark of the beast in our headlines today. And we will analyze the prophetic significance of each of these events on this edition of End of the Age. You're listening to an End of the Age replay. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. I'm telling you what, we talk about prophecies happening so fast all the time. But I I went through the news today and over the weekend, and I had to whittle so many articles out of my program today because there's no way I could get to it all. And it's really, on one hand, it almost takes my breath away. On the other hand, I know why it's happening this fast, because there's not very much time left. And all of these prophecies are converging at the same time. So with that said, let's get off into my first article today, and then I'll get as many as these, as these articles as I can done because there's so much information that you need to know about. The Jerusalem Post, the first article, ran a, uh, published an article titled, The Palestinian Authority Warns Israel Against Dividing the Temple Mount. Now, I'll get to this in just a moment, but you know prophecy says the Temple Mount will be shared in the end time. They're talking about it in our headlines today. The Palestinians are afraid... That, they are going, that Israel is trying to divide the Temple Mount. Israel really, really would like to take the entire Temple Mount over and do away with the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. However, that's not what's going to happen. And so the biblical, what's foretold in the Bible, is what they're talking about in the news. The, and I just pulled a few excerpts. The article states, Palestinian officials believe that Israel plans to divide the Temple Mount in the same way that the cave of the patriarchs in Hebron is divided. Well, we speculated it would be like that for years. Well, this is what they're talking about today in the news. The Palestinian Authority has warned against Israel's attempts to divide the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound or the Temple Mount. The Palestinians call it the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound. In time and space between the Muslims and the Jews. The warning came in response to remarks earlier yesterday by Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, Israeli Prime Minister, who emphasized the importance of allowing Jews and Muslims to and and Christians to celebrate their holidays in Jerusalem. Palestinian officials believe that Israel is planning to divide the Temple Mount in the same way, again, like the Cave of the Patriarchs, is divided in both a mo- into both a mosque and a synagogue. So if you, there, this is, I mean, this is 
everybody pretty much knows about this, but I went to world.org. I wanted to give you a very specific definition of what's happening down in Hebron because this is the situation that will be on the Temple Mount before it's over with. It was prophesied 2,000 years ago. Down in Hebron, which is the tomb of the patriarchs, that's where there's about 850 Jewish settlers, and I mean these people are radical. Why? Because they live in guarded enclaves in the middle of 270,000 Palestinian residents. So 850 Jews surrounded by 270,000 Palestinian residents. And there's an ancient shrine there that the Israelis and the Palestinians share begrudgingly. The Jews call it the Cave of the Patriarchs, which is what it is. The Muslims call it the Ibrahimi Mosque. But both agree on who is buried there. Abraham of the Bible, or Ibrahim, as he's called in Quran, because Abraham is the father of the Arabs as well, through Ishmael. So um, in, buried in the tomb is uh, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob and Leah, and um, which are all spiritual patriarchs, right? But notice that in that the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are buried there, not Ishmael or any of that lineage, because God gave the promise. Abraham purchased um, that burial plot years ago, thousands of years ago. For his lineage, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's where God gave the promised land, this promise to, through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that lineage. That's Israel, the Jews today. The Arab nations was Ishmael, and God said, look, I understand and I remember Ishmael, but my promise is through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that lineage. So that's who's buried there with Abraham. Today the shrine is divided. One side of the is for the Muslims, the other side is for the Jews, but everyone must go pass through an Israeli military security checkpoint. And so it appears that that's the way the Temple Mount will be administered in the future. Probably placed under some kind of an international supervisory uh, situation, probably the United Nations. And which that was kind of proposed under the partition plan back in 1947 that Israel would remain an international city overseen by uh, a United Nations uh, type position. So something prophesied 2,000 years ago, and I'll get to, again, I'm going to go through the prophecy here in just a moment, but it was prophesied that the Temple Mount will be placed under a sharing arrangement 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation. That is exactly what they're talking about today in your news. Now, the second article. The Jerusalem Post published an article, When when blood spills on Passover and Easter, it's time to build the temple. Now, this is an opinion piece. And they say, what is Hamas's greatest fear? that Israel will start to build the third temple. And they don't want Israel to have any right. They deny that the temple, the first and second temple, were ever built on the Temple Mount. 
because that gives, that's Israel's tie to the land, right? Because they don't believe the Bible. And so if they can prove that the first and second temples were built there, then hey, they've got a claim to the land. So they, they deny. Yasser Arafat denied. Mahmoud Abbas, they all deny the temples were built there. And they're scared now that Israel's wanting to share the, te- to place the temple mount under a sharing arrangement to divide it and to build the third temple. Well, guess what? That's exactly what the prophecies say is going to happen. And on the back side of the break, we'll be going through that prophecy in great detail because, folks, there's not much time left to the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the Bible, God gave us a timeline from the beginning to the end of the age. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching our brand new video, The Future According to Bible Prophecy. Get your DVD of The Future According to Bible Prophecy free with a gift of any amount. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800-END-TIME. That's endtime.com slash future or 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times... We weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. You're listening to an End of the Age replay. You know, everyone, I cannot wait to go back 
to Israel. We're finally going to get to go back. Uh, we're taking a tour this September, and we'll be going to all of our familiar spots, uh, the Temple Mount, the, we'll be going to the tomb, we'll be going to Golgotha, we'll be going to up to Tiberias, we'll be having the baptisms, uh, the upper room, all of our, uh, the wonderful places that we go every year. We went twice a year before COVID, and now this is, this coming September is the first time we'll get to go back. Now, this article, uh, when blood spills on Passover and Easter, it's time to build a temple. You know, you would have hoped that yesterday's unique convergence of Passover and Easter and uh, Ramadan even would have led to a, this, a wonderful day of peace, right? And brotherhood and kind of like a, this spiritual capital city of Jerusalem. Well, alas though, any dream of religious harmony on that holy day uh, to these all three of the great Abrahamic faiths was shattered by Muslim rioters who turned the Temple Mount into a, uh, a uh, bloody battlefield. They were hurling stones at Jewish worshipers and, and even Israeli vehicles on the outside. And Palestinian terrorists have been fanning the flames of religious violence in these recent weeks, if you follow the news at all, as Israelis have been preparing for the Passover holiday, threatening to uh, sacrifice an animal and different things. I mean, they, they, it's, they've been driving these Arabs nuts. And so on Thursday evening, this would be April what 8th, a Palestinian terrorist attacked Tel Aviv's busy Dissengoff Square, where mainly secular Israeli young people were crowded at bars and cafes, and they tragically murdered three Jews that were in their 20s. Shortly after that deadly massacre, Hamas explained their motive, and they declared the continuing terrorism of the occupation. Now, that, none of that's true, uh, by the way. Israel's not occupying. That's their land given to them by God. The, the Arabs say that it's occupied territory, but it's not. That's Israeli territory. But they say the continuing terrorism of the occupation and its crimes attempts to Judaize Jerusalem and to perform sacrifices in the Al-Aqsa Mosque or on the Temple Mount to build its so-called temple during what they call Passover. Against it stands blood and bullets. Well, the Bible says they're going to build a temple in just the very near future. And through their statements, the article says, Hamas exposed their greatest fear. Here it is that Israel will start to build their third temple. So, many of you know for thousands of years that Jews have been praying for a return to the land of Israel. Well, of course, they did that in 1948, right? They declared their independence. And so at that point, they thought, well, hey, we're going to build our temple. Over the last century, they have miraculously been restored to their homeland from the four corners of the earth, and they're still coming home, but are still awaiting the proper time to build the temple. Now, we know, you and I both know, there's going to be a peace agreement in the near future. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. That's going to allow them to build their third temple. So Judaism is, the Arabs say, and Scripture is incomplete without the temple. And Passover is a prime example of 
according to Deuteronomy, that makes it clear. Well, of course, if you're under the law, that's the case, right? Deuteronomy 16, 5 through 6. You may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates which the Lord your God gives you, but at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make His name abide, and there you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight, at the going down of the sun, at the time you came out of Egypt. So, Hamas is terrified that after, what, close to 75 years now of statehood, that Israel will begin turning its attention to the place where God chose to establish His name, the Temple Mount. In fact, each year, more and more Israelis take the dangerous risk of ascending the holy mountain under the hostile guards of Jordanian officials. Palestinian terrorists are getting scared of Jews, and they're getting serious about restoring our uh, the Holy of Holies, the site that we say um, that, that they pray towards every day, and the building that they beseech God for repeatedly throughout their liturgy, the building of the third temple. So the article says, on a national level, the rebuilding of the temple would be a great humiliation to Palestinian terror groups. But on a religious level, the construction of Judaism's third temple would in no way pose a threat to Islam because their main religious holy sites are in Mecca and Medina, Medina in Saudi Arabia. So responsible Jewish, Christian, and Muslim leaders should use this recent wave of Islamic violence to immediately begin discussing practical and peaceful steps for rebuilding of the temple on the Temple Mount. They say that's what Hamas fears the most. And they say this, and I'm quoting from the article. It could be done without damaging or disrespecting the Dome of the Rock or the Al-Aqsa Mosque. As part of a future peace plan between Israeli and her Arab neighbors to end the plague of Islamic terror once and for all. Now, I'm going to prove to you in a moment that that is prophetic in every way. They are going to, there is going to have a sharing arrangement up there on the Temple Mount and they will leave the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock there and build in the courtyard north of that. The article goes on to say, During periods of history, Islam actually held great respect for Judaism's temple in Jerusalem. And one can imagine many potential scenarios in the ever-changing Middle East where significant segments of Islam could do so once again. Now, what an article that was, right? I mean, it's, it's Prophecy 101, if you understand Bible prophecy. This is why it's so very important, because just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Temple Mount's going to be placed under a sharing arrangement, and Israel will build her third temple. Sacrifices will be resumed. The, the abomination of desolation will occur. I mean, it's all going to center right there around the Temple Mount, and Jerusalem. The Temple Mount and Jerusalem is what the final war on earth will be fought over. The Battle of Armageddon will be fought over the status of Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. So, pretty important, right? So, 
what does the what does the Bible foretell will happen? Well, number one, there's going to be a creation of a Palestinian state in Judea. Now, I've had many, I've told that to many people, and they say, "Oh no, that's never going to happen. There's never going to be a Palestinian state." That that. that uh, the Palestinians are, are never going to settle for that. They don't want peace. And I mean, just, and the Israel's, Israelis will never give them a Palestinian state. Listen, there is going to be a two state solution. There will be a Palestinian state. And I talked to one of my friends in Israel, let's see here, the first part of last week. And he told me that the mindset of the younger generation, Israelis and Palestinians, it's changing. They're not as hardliners as their parents and grandparents. The younger generation coming up does not see the Israeli-Palestinian conflict like they did. Like the ones that had to come out of the Holocaust into Israel. And some of them have never heard of and never even met their grandparents because they died in the Holocaust. So the younger generation don't see it like they did. So they're more flexible on some of these things. In Daniel 9.27, it prophesies that the Antichrist will confirm Israel's right to exist in the promised land, confirm the covenant, and the peace agreement is going to be a seven-year temporary agreement, just an interim agreement. And it's going to be temporary because the status of Jerusalem will be left unresolved. Just like it's, they're talking about it today in the news. And so the peace agreement will provide for a Palestinian state in the West Bank. And historically and biblically, that area is referred to as Judea. And the agreement is also going to allow Jews in Judea to remain as a Jewish minority under the new Palestinian state. And we know this from the prophecy of Jesus in Matthew 24, 15, 15 through 18, and then um, verse 21. Jesus said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation occur, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Yes, we can understand the prophecies of the Bible. Jesus said we would. When the Antichrist stands in a rebuilt Jewish temple and proclaiming to be God, Jesus said, Then let them which be in Judea, the modern day West Bank, let them flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop, Don't even come down to take anything out of your house. Neither let him which is out in the field, don't even go back to your house to get your clothes. You hit the ground running. Why? Because he said, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world. Now, the greatest time of persecution. Some people see the sixth trumpet war as being the great tribulation, but it's not. Even though it's a horrible time where one third of the world's population will be destroyed, The Great Tribulation is separate. The Great Tribulation, Jesus was talking about the worst time of persecution the world's ever seen. No, nor ever shall be. In this passage, Jesus is painting a picture of the Jews living under a hostile government out in Judea, or the modern-day West Bank. When the abomination of desolation occurs, halfway through that final seven-year period... The Jews living out there, the ones that have remained out there in Judea, really taking their lives in their hands, they're going to have to flee for their lives. Jesus warned them. 
And this event will launch the final three and one half years, which is called the Great Tribulation. Amazingly, the scenario that Jesus painted 2,000 years ago is exactly what is presently being discussed in all of the, the peace negotiations back from Oslo even, all the way through. They've, they've, just, they've, they've touched on it here and there, and some of them have just proposed it um, straight out. The Palestinians contend that the only way for peace between them and the Israelis is a two-state solution. And that's the international community's solution as well, right? But they claim that their state could be established in Judea or the West Bank. The United States, the European Union, the United Nations, they all agree that the two-state solution is the only viable solution to the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Israel Prime Minister um, Benjamin Netanyahu, he, when, when he was the Prime Minister, he actually embraced the two-state solution as the ultimate answer to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And um, so, you know, I mean, these things are being talked about in the news all the time. You remember um, Donald Trump's um, peace to prosperity plan that, that he said that the Jews can stay in the new Palestinian state, which is exactly what the Bible says. It's what Jesus prophesied. Go back to Matthew 24, 15 through 16. The passage clearly states there will be Jews living in Judea at the time of the abomination of desolation, which will occur three and a half years after the Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement. Well, in President Trump's um, peace to prosperity plan, on page 12, it actually stated, and I'm quoting, the Israeli population located in enclaves that remain inside contiguous Palestinian territory, but that are part of the state of Israel, shall have the option to remain in place unless they chose otherwise and maintain their existing Israeli citizenship. This describes Israelis living inside the new Palestinian state and being able to stay there while still being citizens of Israel. Again, a 2,000-year-old prophecy we're watching come to pass right before our very eyes, folks. Now, and you understand the, the, in the big picture of all of this. After the, Jesus prophesied this, Israel, it was prophesied, Israel would be scattered among the nations, which happened after the Jerusalem was destroyed and after the, the, the revolt. They were scattered. But yet he prophesied, you're all, the Bible prophesies they would all come back together as a nation and the Temple Mount would be placed under a sharing arrangement and Jews would live out in, this, in the Judean area. You understand how detailed this thing is coming to pass? It's almost breathtaking. But yet, once you understand Bible prophecy, you can sit back and say, Oh my goodness, we don't have very long until the second coming of Jesus Christ. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, part two. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You're listening to an End of the Age replay. So, 2,000-year-old prophecy and the modern-day peace agreements that are being proposed, are go- walk- they're just walking right down uh, the list here. President Trump's Peace to Prosperity Plan. It laid out the, that, the, that the Jewish settlers could live out there under Palestinian jurisdiction. Then on the Jerusalem Post reported, and most of you have heard about this, back in February, that the Holy Land Confederation plan that was proposed by um, a Palestinian negotiator, Husseini, and uh, the guy that helped with the Oslo Peace Accords, I can't remember his name right now, but um, it was uh, Balin. He... Uh, they stated that the Holy Land Confederation plan proposes a European-style, European Union-style confederation of an independent Israeli and Palestinian state based on pre-67 borders, as outlined by the 2003 Geneva Initiative. So Balin, that's, yeah, I got his name right. So Balin was instrumental in the formation of the back with the um, 93 Oslo Peace Accords and the Geneva Initiative. So he has incorporated those into the Holy Land Confederation. Now, um, among the distinct features of the plan is a joint Israeli-Palestinian narrative of the history of both peoples, and listen at this, the plan also provides a blueprint by which the settlers, which is who we're talking about, the Jews living out there in the modern-day West Bank, that they would remain in their homes as residents, but not citizens of the Palestinian state. And in exchange, a similar number of Palestinians would be allowed to live in in Israel as residents, but not citizens of Israel. They would be citizens of the Palestinian state. Now... Both Trump's uh, Peace to Prosperity and the Holy Land Confederation, both of them have stated exactly what Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24. You see how detailed these prophecies are coming down? I mean, when we talk about 
the, uh, the world government, world religion, precursors to the mark of the beast, the, the temple, um, the peace agreement that's going to be signed starting the final seven years, the sixth trumpet war, just like every other prophecy in the Bible, these things are coming to pass in intricate detail. And so we're not very far from the second coming of Jesus Christ, folks. The, um, the temple mount's going to be shared. The Bible tells us that very specifically. Outside of control of Jerusalem, the status of the temple mount is by far the most hotly disputed issue in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Who will control the temple mount? Muslims claim the temple mount as their third holiest site. Again, uh, Mecca and Medina in Saudi Arabia. The Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock they presently are on top of the, uh, the Temple Mount. The Dome of the Rock, the big gold dome you see uh, in all of the pictures in all the magazines. And if you've ever been to Israel, that when you, when you round the corner, you know the gold dome. However, the Jews regard the Temple Mount as their number one holy site on the planet. I mean, God said 40 times, 40 plus times in the Old Testament, I will put my name there in Jerusalem and specifically on the Temple Mount. And so um, that's why there have been 40 wars fought for the Temple Mount because Satan has been fighting God for that ever since. 40 major wars, more than any other city on the planet. And of course, the first temple, it stood on the Temple Mount from 968 to 586 B.C., The second temple um, stood on the Temple Mount from 516 B.C. until 70 A.D. when uh, the Roman general Titus came and burned it down and destroyed it. Uh, Most of you all know the history. Well, God promised King Solomon that he would place his name there forever. And consequently, the Jews insist their third temple must be built there as well. And we know it's going to be. A lot of people said... I mean, I've had people, <laughs> you can't imagine where people have said it's been built all over the place and uh, in the city of David and Nablus. And I mean, it was, but no. I mean, I, I wrote an article years ago proving conclusively that the scripture tells us that they took the David in, in the city of David, David set up a, a temporary tent that he could put the, tent, the uh, Ark of the Covenant in until the place that was chosen by God, the threshing floor of Arana, which was up on the Temple Mount, until that the house of God could, could be completed. That's where he housed it. When Solomon completed the house of the Lord up on the Temple Mount, the Bible says, and if you understand how everything's laid out there, uh, the Temple Mount's the highest point, and then down below that on the slope is the city of David, south of the Temple Mount. Down below on the slope, it goes all the way down to the Pool of Siloam. Well, that's where the Ark of the Covenant was housed. But when Solomon completed the temple, the Bible specifically says that he gathered the priest and the implements that were for the temple, the house of God, and they took the Ark of the Covenant out of the city of David up to the house of the Lord. So it, the temple, the first, the, the first temple, the Solomon's temple, was not built in the, in the um, 
to the city of David. It was not built in Nablus, and it was not built anywhere else. It was built right up there on the Temple Mount. The Bible tells us that specifically. Now, how will this, this seemingly intractable dispute over this 35 acres, the Temple Mount, how's that going to be resolved? Under a, a future peace agreement. Well, if you remember back during the, the um, Camp David peace accords, in the negotiations in 2000, Bill Clinton suggested to, that the Muslims and Jews could just share the Temple Mount. They were bickering back and forth. Why don't you guys just share it, he said. Well, there was a law passed a while back. It was introduced, uh, I should say it was introduced in the Israeli Knesset to place the Temple Mount under a sharing arrangement. And Prime Minister, at that time, Netanyahu used his influence to delay the action concerning the law, hoping that the issue would be settled when a peace agreement is achieved. Well, it's going to be. The Bible prophesies that the Temple Mount will be shared uh, under that coming peace agreement. The prophecy is found in Revelation 11, 1 and 2. Uh, the Bible says, and John said, And there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood and said, Hey, rise, measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave it out. Don't measure it, for it's given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. So John was instructed, measure the temple and those that worship therein. Then he was told, don't measure the outer court because it's going to be under Gentile control. And this scripture really paints a, a picture of the Temple Mount being shared between Jew and Gentile. The scene in this prophecy describes the Temple Mount during the final 42 months of the seven-year agreement. The 42 months prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. John was talking about the third temple, not the first and second temple. Because the second temple was already destroyed when John wrote this prophecy on exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Now, the Jewish temple is going to be rebuilt. The Bible is crystal clear on this. Uh, Revelation 11, 1 and 2. Uh, John was told, measure the temple. You can't measure a temple if there's not a temple, right? Um, and he was also told uh, to do it when there would be 42 months left. And it just lets us know that the Jewish temple has to be built and completed during the first three and one half years of that final seven-year agreement. That's one of the characteristics we will know when the peace agreement is signed, that they've allowed that sharing arrangement, allowing them to build their third temple. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, it confirms it. It says that the Antichrist will sit in the, a rebuilt temple of God, at the time of the abomination of desolation, which is halfway through the final seven years. And, hey, you can't sit in a temple if there's no temple to sit in, right? And, again, this proves that the Jewish temple will be completed during the first three and one-half years of the seven-year agreement. Uh, and then, of course, animal sacrifices will, are going to be resumed, but then they're going to be stopped. Once the Jewish temple is completed... Animal sacrifices will be resumed as were practiced by the Jews in the Old Testament. We know this because Daniel 9.27, 
the, the prophecy foretelling the final seven years, it says that the Antichrist in the middle of that seven-year period will cause the sacrifices to stop. Well, you can't stop sacrifices if they're not ongoing, right? So, and then Daniel 11.31 also records that the Antichrist stops those sacrifices. It says, uh, and arms shall stand on his part, and they that shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that make it desolate. And then, of course, the Antichrist will commit the abomination of desolation, which is when he stands in the temple and proclaims to be God. So, you know, in, in order to justify the stopping of the Jewish sacrifices, the Antichrist is going to offer his reason for doing so, right? He's going to just remind the world, hey, that most people have come to agree that all religions really worship the same God. They just call him different, same, different things, these uh, different names, this same spirit being. But then he's going to go a step further. He will remind the different religions that most of them are expecting an anointed leader to appear. Jews are looking for Messiah. Christians looking for the second coming of Jesus. Muslims believe that the Mahdi will come. And that Buddhists are expecting the fifth Buddha. So the Antichrist, he's going to claim that he's the anointed one the, the, to the different religions that they've been expecting and yearning for. And therefore, hey, there's no need for these sacrifices anymore. And 2 Thessalonians says that, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, says that he will exalt himself above all that is called God or is worshipped so that he, as God, is going to sit in the third Jewish temple claiming to be God himself. Now, many have attempted to negotiate a peace agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians over the years. But they failed, right? And so then the question is, well, who's going to get it signed? Or when, when will it be signed? I do not know the answer to that. I simply have to tell you we do not know at this point. But what we do know is that there is going to be a peace agreement because the prophecies always come to pass in intricate detail. And they're already, they've been talking about this stuff for years. And it's in our news today. You can go read these articles on Jerusalem Post and many of the other Israeli sites. And when this peace agreement is signed, the final seven-year period called Daniel's 70th week will begin. Now, it lets us know conclusively Jesus Christ can't be far off, right? The second coming of Jesus Christ is just around the corner. Wow, am I excited? You better believe I am. Am I preparing myself for that coming? Yes, I am. Because when that trumpet sounds... I want my feet to leave the ground, and I want your feet to leave the ground as well. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You're listening to an End of the Age replay. Wow, isn't that exciting? This stuff is happening so fast. Folks, that's just one prophecy. Imagine all of the prophecies converging at one time. Think about that. It's all happening so fast. Let me see if I can get into a few more before the end of the program. The New York Post, they published an article, Biden vows billions of dollars for a Build Back Better, not the United States, but a Build Back Better world with his U.S. version blocked. The article states, we're going to export, Biden said this, and I'm quoting, we are going to export billions of dollars worth of product for the rest of the world. He said that during remarks at a North Carolina um, A&T State University in Greensboro. He said one of the proposals I have, I, I won't get into now, is the Build Back Better world. Well, he said, so all of those countries in Africa and Latin America and in the Middle East who don't have the capacity to make it better for themselves, we cut down all of our forests. We're doing fine. But Biden said, guess what? We are part of the reason for global warming. So here we all go back to global warming, climate change, and all of this propaganda, which, hey, the world is, is there is climate change. I'm not denying there's climate change. The the climate has been changing every day since God created the planet. I am denying human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change. That is a complete, utter hoax. But yet he's wanting to redistribute the wealth of the United States to build back the world better. It was shot down here in the United States, and... It's wealth redistribution, folks. Joe Biden is a globalist. He believes in a world governing body. So he's into redistribution of wealth because that's one of the major planks of socialism. He is a socialist. If you haven't figured that out by now, read the news. Because he believes, he's a globalist. He believes in a world government. The world government is socialistic. He's bought in lock, stock, and barrel. He supported the world government for decades now. This didn't start when he got elected to the office. And, or I should say, was put in office. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know. But, that's why he doesn't protect our borders. There's a lot of other things. He's a globalist. So, now he's wanting to redistribute the wealth of the United States in a Build Back Better World program. Huh. Next, the Jewish press. They published an article, Eurosceptic Alliance to Fight a Creation of a European Superstate. So, I've talked to you many times about a two-tiered European 
union. And so what's happening here? Because this is kind of setting it up. When they created the European Union, they knew exactly what they were trying to do. They were going to try to get to create a, a, uni- a um, United States of Europe, if you will. And they wanted to get all of those, the governments, to tear down their borders, do away with tariffs and different things, and yield up their sovereignty to the parliament building in Brussels, Belgium. Well, once a lot of the members of the European Union decided figured out what was going on, they were like, whoa, 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 hold on. We didn't really want to yield up our sovereignty. We wanted to be trade partners and things like this, but we didn't want to yield up our sovereignty. That's not what the Europeans are all about. So what happened? Well, the leaders of the European conservative and populist parties met in the Spanish capital of Madrid in January of this year to build a unified political front aimed at defending traditional Judeo-Christian values, and the sovereignty of the European nation-states. Some of them want to, some of them don't. The so-called Madrid Summit was held under the motto, Defending Europe. And it marked an important milestone in efforts to create a a continent-wide alliance to fight the federalists, the globalists, and anti-democratic drift of the European Union. Because... They want a, it's the model of world government in the earth today, you understand. So this two-day closed-door summit hosted by Spain's conservative party, Vox, was attended by um, Hungarian Prime Minister uh, Viktor Orban, Polish Prime Minister Matusz Mareki, hope I'm getting these right, and French President candidate Marine Le Pen, who is battling Emmanuel Macron right now. So as well as by leaders uh, and representatives of conservative parties from Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, uh, Estonia, Italy, Lithuania, the Netherlands, and Romania. So this conservative Eurosceptic leaders, they vowed to work together more closely in the European Parliament, and they issued a joint statement that outlined the challenge as well as a path forward. They said this, and I'm quoting, the European community was forged as an area of free cooperation between sovereign states. Okay, that's what they were told. (laughs) However, you can't always believe what you hear in the news, right? However, there's a growing threat that seeks to transform the union into an ideologically charged federal superstate. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to recreate the Holy Roman Empire. They've already signed on to this when they signed the Lisbon Treaty back in 2009. So, a corporation which disregards national identity and sovereignty and therefore democracy, plurality, and the interest of the citizens of the nations that form the union. Now, a group together, what they do? Again, a group of nations got together, conservatives, and said, hey, we don't want to yield up our sovereignty to the Parliament building in Brussels, Belgium. That's what the Parliament building wants. And what are they doing? They're trying to create the Holy Roman Empire. The Bible says it's going to be reborn. The prophecy, it says, um, the Bible says, And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes of potter, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, and there shall be in it uh, of the strength of the iron, 
For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of feet part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. This is a prophecy of the revived Holy Roman Empire. And whereas thou shalt, um, thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, I'm in Daniel 2 now, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave to one another, even as the iron is mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings will the God of heaven set up a kingdom that shall never pass away. Well, let's us know it's going to be in our lifetime. That's Daniel 2, 41 through 44. So what's, it's, it's, what's the fulfillment of that prophecy? The revived Holy Roman Empire is portrayed as the fourth beast in Daniel 7. The fourth beast is described as being dreadful, terrible, strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. The Holy Roman Empire was reborn with the signing of the Lisbon Treaty in November 3, 2009. Now, I could go through all the history of that, but I'm telling you, it's been reborn now. The European superstate is forming. You know, today we see a, a superstate called the European Union forming the set um, to set the stage for the fulfillment of the Holy Roman Empire prophecies. And this fulfillment will occur just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, you remember the horns in Daniel 7. This all ties in together. Um, Daniel 7, 7-8, John, or Daniel said, After this I saw in the night vision a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the other beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. And uh, Daniel said, I considered the horns. Behold, there came up among them a little horn, before whom there were three of the other horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in its horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. That's the Antichrist. Drop down to Daniel 7, 24, and it says, And the ten horns out of this kingdom are king, ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three of those kings. Then in Revelation 17, 12 through 14, John said, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as of yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. They shall make war with the lamb. The lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And all of them that were with him, me and you, hopefully, and that they are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Now, how's that going to work? Because there are, with Brexit happening, there's 27 member nations of the European Union. The Bible says there's going to be 10 that rise up. So how's that going to work? Well, there are many people that speculate that moving forward, there has to be a two-tiered Europe. The Financial Post, they published an article, and some of the excerpts say, the negotiations around Brexit should be used as an opportunity to create a two-tiered EU that meets these concerns. The first tier could press ahead with much closer political integration, yielding up their sovereignty, pursuing the long-standing, I put in yielding up your sovereignty, pursuing the long-standing goal of an ever closer union in Europe, and the countries on the second tier would restrict themselves to participation 
which is what Victor Orban and those guys did in February at that Madrid summit, restrict themselves to participation in the single market and cooperation on foreign and security policies. The two-tiered approach could potentially meet the needs of both Federalist and Eurosceptics. The Federalists have long complained that um, Britain acted as a, uh, as a drag on deeper integration. Of course, she broke off. But suspicion of the ideal of political union is now widespread across the bloc. The, everybody is catching on to what they're really trying to do, right? And so that's why they had the Madrid summit in February. Because there are many nations that got together and said, hey, we don't want to yield up our sovereignty to this, this uh, entity. Well, the Bible says that there will be ten that come to the forefront and give complete total alliance with the Antichrist in the end time. And a two-tiered European Union could make that happen. A lot of people have said, it's not going to happen because there's 27 members. Well, but if there's a two-tiered, people that are willing to fully integrate and people that are skeptics, if there's a two-tiered, that absolutely could happen. How, how, you say, can you give me specifics, details? No, but I can tell you this. This is exactly what's going to happen because the Bible says it's going to happen. And the prophecies always come to pass in intricate detail. I mean, this is a 2,000, the, um, the, the Daniel 2, 2,500-year-old prophecy. Revelation 17, a 2,000-year-old prophecy. The European Union was never even thought of back then. Or the Holy Roman Empire wasn't thought of. Rome was, but not the Holy Roman Empire. But now here they are talking about a two-tiered situation. Uh, I mean, come on, folks. This stuff's happening as we speak. And all of these things that I've talked about today are supposed to occur just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I have people tell me all the time, oh, I don't really even think we're in the end time. What? We absolutely are in the end time. We are ju- we're the generation that will see the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's so easy to prove that in many, many, many ways. God bless as you prepare for that day. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.